you can utilize all the space above your head as well. Danny comes and buys the greens and she does Christmas planters. Oh, you can have planters all year round. Understanding the location, uh, like the physical structure and the expo. Once they get to that point and they're bursting with flowers and whatnot, how do you make them last all season long? A filler, a row of spiller. Okay, Ben Spiller. I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Helpful Gardeners podcast. This week, it's the planter cast in honor of Mother's Day. We're going to be talking a little bit about annual planters, how to construct them, uh, where to put them, what kinds of things you can put into them. You know, we've shown people that you can grow a sunflower in a two-gallon pot and you can grow cucumbers in a window basket. That's the thing I really enjoy is when people realize how much more you can do. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite part. And uh, I love I love designing planters. I love building them. I love the challenge. Uh, I love giving them away. Perfect gift for Mother's Day. My mom, outside of her house, she always has two annual planters. Nice. This year, we're going to do a whole bunch of yard work for Mother's Day because it was Mother's Choice and that's what she wanted yeah. to do was yard work. Yep. So we, we decided, okay, we're going to go downstairs. We're going to pick out two really nice planters and we're just going to like surprise leave them outside. Oh, you guys are the best. <laughs> I, I'm going to get my mom uh, her usual, which is, I, I always feel bad because I'm always like, there's no surprise. Like every Mother's Day, like there's a gift card for Golden Acre. And my mom is always so excited. Yeah. She loves to come here. She loves to shop. She loves to do it. Then she asks me to come and help her plant sometimes. Yeah. Oh, my sister does it. The great thing about planters is, you know, what, what just what you said and, and where my mom lives now in a condo. It doesn't matter the space you've got. No. The front of your house, it's it's that constant burst of color. It's some nice symmetry. You got a smaller area. It brightens up your balcony. Yeah. You know, you're, you're facing north. Hey, what do you know? You've got some color or you've got some veggies. You're facing south. You you grow some um, uh, sweet peas or uh, some morning glory. And now you've got a vine that's going to grow very fast and help uh, get the sun uh, off you and give you shade. Like, yeah, we're not even just talking about the planters that are on the ground. You can utilize all the space above your head as well. Yeah, yeah. Like I always say, you got to think three-dimensional. Yeah. Are there ledges that you can put stuff on? Um, you may you may have to uh, uh, attach a bracket or, or screw something in. Hanging baskets. Long, if you have a long deck... Use a window box, but you don't have to put it up. You can put it down like you would a bowl or an urn. Yeah. Here's another one um, that I like to do. I actually spoke to somebody about this uh, this year. Mix and match. A lot of people go, oh, this is my herb planter. This is my veggie planter. This is my flower planter. But flowers in all of them. Yeah. And I think it's really tough too, because even here in the greenhouse, you go downstairs and you don't really see mix and match. Yep. So you're not really exposed to the possibility that, hey, you can do that, you know, why not mix and match? Let's change the narrative. Exactly. And that I'm guilty of it. We do what we do. We know it works and we go, oh, well, this works. I'm just going to do it. And it's path of least resistance, comfort zone, whatever you want to call it. And and it's, I think, a human nature thing. Yeah. Do you ever do this where you go to a restaurant, um, like one of your favorite places or a cafe? And you're like, oh, this time I think I'm going to try that. And they're like, what can I get you? And you order the exact same thing you all. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I get so stressed out when there's decisions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're looking at the menu. You're like, oh, I could try that. Oh, that could be good. Yeah. Ooh. Well, I mean, what do you want? Cheeseburger and fries and a large Coke. <laughs> uh, large, large black coffee, dark roast, please. <laughs> but I get it. And, and, and the other thing is as well is we don't want to invest in something you know, it's different for me. Uh, as a gardener, I have no problem trying things. I know what'll work. I have a good idea if something will work. 
I've done it long enough. I can do that. But when it comes to my cooking, okay, if I'm baking something or I'm making something, I can get very pigeonholed. I can be like, ooh, I might do a variation on a theme. Mm -hmm. So, you know, last year I did uh, salmon impatience. This year I'll do pink impatience. I, ooh, last time I made chocolate chip cookies. This time I'm going to make peanut butter chip cookies. <laughs> but the base is the same because I don't know enough about cooking mm -hmm. to, to, to go wild. I'm like, I, I, I don't know what this spice will taste mm -hmm. like. What if I put too much in and ruin everything? I don't want to remake the entire meal. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think there's a lot of that where people go, well, I invest, I invest the money, uh, I invest the time and I planted this and it didn't work or, or I just didn't like it. I didn't like the flowers. You know, the thing that always gets me is, um, when we always talk about end game yep. and when I go to plant a planter, I always forget that some of these things are going to grow a lot larger than, than they were when I first bought them at the garden yep. center. Yep. Right. So that's something that I've always gotten in trouble with. I don't even know how would you even look in, look into that. I mean, obviously you can read the tag and kind of figure out what, what a mature height will be, but what would you even do? Honestly, your best bet is, um, if you're not sure, limit what you're putting in. Mm. So there's nothing wrong with, mm. uh, you know, you're looking at a planter and you're like, oh, I want to try something different. Don't put six plants in, only put three. Yeah. You know, put, you know, geraniums in the middle, uh, marigolds around the edge and creeping Jenny as your trailer. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to go, oh, that's how big they got. And then next year you have an idea and you can, you can kind of play with it because a couple of years ago, a uh, very shady area and I wanted to uh, add some color. So I got a big window box um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go real like basic on this one. I'm going to go low key. And I got, uh, just impatience and wax leaf begonias. Mm -hmm. And I said, these are going to look great because, uh, the wax leaf begonia and, uh, the impatient, they have a different foliage. So they'll pick up the burgundies and the greens. And then I went with kind of two different color schemes. The impatience went wild. And at the end it was like, it was like, where's Waldo for the begonias? But there was an equal number of them. There was, you know, whatever, 40 impatience, 40 begonias. At the end, it literally looked like an impatient pot. Wow. But if you look at the tags and you look at them, they should grow roughly the same. There was obviously something there where the impatience did better. I don't know whether it was the water, the fertilizer, that little bit of extra sunlight. I, mm -hmm. Whatever the case was, I think it was after... A month, I was like, oh, damn, those begonias are gone. And then after two months, I was like, yeah, it's an impatient pot. <laughs> Honestly, could have just made an impatient pot. What's wrong with just having one annual in the pot? I you do know? that a lot when I do uh, hanging baskets. Yeah. Because a lot of times when I put a hanging basket up, it's like when I hang a picture. I remember years ago, um, I, I had an apartment and my girlfriend came over and she was like, Dude, like when I'm looking at your pictures, it like hurts my neck. And I'm like, yeah, but I hang them at my eye height. <laughs> like everywhere I go, pictures are always low and I've got to look down. Yeah. These, so when I plant a planter and I'm like, oh my God, this looks amazing. And I put it up, you know, if I do it for my mom or for Jenny, they're like, I can't reach that. And I'm like, it's okay. I've got it. I, I'll take care of it. But what's the point in something that high putting in something in the middle that's going to grow tall? Yeah. Just fill it with trailers, mm -hmm. you know, fill it, absolutely fill it with trailers. Um, another one that I've seen and it works really, really well is take three, uh, pots. They can be the, the same type. They can be different, but as long as they're different sizes, fill, uh, the biggest one with soil, uh, fill all of them with soil actually, but then put the biggest one down, put the medium one right in the middle of it on the soil. And then the little one on that, 
And then I saw, I, I saw somebody do this in Montreal years ago when I very first started my career. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And I have absolutely copied it. And then all they planted was different ivies. Wow. After two months, you couldn't see the pots. It was just a pyramid of cascading ivy. Oh, I'm going to find a picture. I'm going to pop it into our show notes. Yeah. It looked so good. And when, when I mean, we built it. She designed it, but but we put it together for her. But after that, I was like, oh, that is, it's so easy. It's so cheap. You have three planters. You've built artificial height. And now you've got this amazing, amazing structure, this foliage. And she had a, a, a very shady yard. Um, so it was just that beautiful green foliage of the ivy sitting there. And it was, it was spectacular. That's something I've never thought about is doing a foliage planter yeah. before. Yeah, uh, I, I did want it. I like my flowers. Yeah. Um, I really do. I like foliage. I like my foliage uh, as an accent, mm -hmm. but a lot of people will, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but people who do foliage planters, that's why they use coleus. Oh, I love coleus. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll buy all the different colors, the greens and the purples and the yellows, the pinks. And they'll just uh, basically like scattergun approach. Then they're, they're not building a design, just anything goes anywhere and they just let it grow in. And if that's your style, it looks pretty splendid. Can we explore a little bit about like the constructing of a planter? Because you kind of mentioned, you know, tall, middle, trailing. So how, so if you had like a planter, how would, you, how would you approach it? What kinds of things should you look for? The first thing before we even get into the planter is you have to address, and, and we talk about this with everything, the location. Okay, so before we, there's no point designing a planter uh, and then realizing um, you did a circle, uh, but it's going to go in the front of the house and that actually lends itself better to right angles. Um, or you did a square, but it's going to sit somewhere where you actually wanted round. Mm -hmm. Understanding the location, uh, like the physical structure and the exposure. The sun exposure? Yeah, like sun, um, it can be anything because... A few years ago, when we moved into our, our place now, I, had, I, I knew what the, the, the sun and the, uh, the shade exposure was. I had no idea that one area was basically when the wind came down, it formed a little cyclone area. Really? The dahlias that I put in a pot there were just getting bashed. Wow. Yeah, they really didn't do good because every time they started growing tall, the wind would hit them and they would break or they would fall over. It would blow petals off them. And I was like, okay, good to know. I need something a bit more heavy duty for that area. I changed it up. No problem. So understanding the exposure is definitely the the, the most important. Uh, is, is it an area where uh, it's very exposed because the other thing is with wind too, you have an area where you get a lot of sun and a lot of wind. If you don't have the time to water that planter uh, two, maybe three times a day, mm -hmm. you might not want to put a planter there. Yeah, good point. Yeah. So you got to look at that. Now, once you've addressed all of that, which is really easy, there's all kinds of options for any condition. Uh, that's why annuals are so popular. The next one is um, how are you going to view it? Mm -hmm. Right? Is it... Do you view it from uh, the bedroom window? Mm -hmm. Do you view it from inside looking out? It's a window box. Uh, do you view it from a 360? Is it in the, is it a centerpiece or is it pushed up against the wall? Because I see people who do the traditional planters, which is your thriller, filler, and spiller, and they do it, the, the thriller in the middle, uh, the filler all around it, and then the spiller all around it, and then they push it against the wall. Oh, I love that. So easy to remember. Yeah, thriller, filler, spiller. Yeah. If, if we were on video, I would do my thriller dance. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. 
Thriller. Didn't we sing last week? I was going to say. <laughs> Thriller. I, but I actually know that one. I know the lyrics to that one. It's not a... Uh, I can't even remember the song I was singing last week. Tell me what... Anyway. <laughs> the musical See, podcast. Last week's oh, episode. digress. I, I was so excited that you showed me uh, that you're building the Garden Spotify list. Yeah. I So I just started it. Um, Actually, okay. So here's the thing. Um, it's really easy to get wrapped up in it and you yep. spend hours and hours and hours and, and then you start thinking about all the experiences that you can have in the garden. And when we're talking about planters and whatnot, I mean, you could be like out there with your morning coffee. Yep. It can be uh, a nighttime ritual that you're spending yep. time in your garden. So I, I may be um, starting more than one playlist. <laughs> Let's just say that. I love it. But you know what? That's that's funny that you said that because here's... Uh, Okay, I'll get to that in a second. I'm so excited you're building that playlist. Yeah, and I, I'm having I a lot of fun. I will absolutely stay true to my word. Once a playlist is built, I will absolutely do a full day of gardening and listen to my playlist. Nice. Yeah. Okay. No pressure. Uh, total dive. I just got so excited there by my uh, singing. But I see that frequently where, where people build the planter uh, and they, they don't consider everything and then they push it up against a wall, which is fine. That's where you want it. But then everything you've put on that back edge it's not going to be appreciated. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to uh, do a square planter and you're mm -hmm. going to put it into a corner, build it accordingly. Don't put the thriller in the middle, put the thriller at the back mm -hmm. because it's going to stand up. And then, so you would kind of do it in, mm -hmm. uh, instead of uh, concentric circles uh, per se, you would do it more in rows. A row of uh, thriller, a row of filler, a row of spiller. Mm -hmm. Okay, Ben Spiller. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is not affiliated with Ben Spiller. <laughs> Unless he wants to be. Okay. I, would, I don't know if he gardens, but I would take Ben Spiller. Stiller, yeah. his name is Stiller. <laughs> it's like, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stick to plants. <laughs> but yeah, look at the structure because depending on how it's going to be viewed, you don't want to waste your plants. Uh, utilize what you've got and, and you know, consider uh, the water it's going to need, uh, color choices. But at, at the end of the day, the, everything that you want to do can be done. Mm -hmm. I've put planters in... Every location. I've done every single one that I've mentioned. Uh, hanging baskets, uh, sunflowers in small pots, uh, planters that have been uh, shoved into a corner, ones that have been a massive centerpiece. Um, we did we did one uh, garden that we had, and they had a couple of urns that must have been uh, probably about four foot tall. Mm. I, I'm six foot one, and it was like effort to plant into the middle of them. Wow. Yeah, they were big. And, and when you're done, you're like, okay, that's going to look amazing in two months because everything is so small, it has to grow in. Yeah. Um, but then sure enough, it does look amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and actually, when we're talking about um, uh, planters like throughout the season, obviously, once they get to that point and they're bursting with flowers and whatnot, how do you make them last all season long? Because I just actually, I just met up with a friend today. She did my hair. Nice. Shout out to Kayla. But um, uh, she was saying that her planters notoriously will last until like July. Yep. <laughs> and then and then that's it. So how do you, especially in Calgary, where we want to make the most out of the yep. season, how do we extend their life? Fertilize and deadhead. Fertilize and deadhead. Fertilize and deadhead. It goes such a long way. A lot of times when we plant them and they're young and they're growing and their flowers are just popping anyway, we're like, yay. And... Uh, earlier in the season, because it's funny that you mentioned that exact time, May and June, we still get rain. Yeah. It's still somewhat cool. So the moisture is not a problem. 
And then, you know, the last couple of years, it kind of hits that switch where we go to bone dry. Mm. So the plants have kind of, I want to say they've matured, but they've reached like their full growth potential. So so the lifespan of an annual is it's going to put out all of its growth and it's going to flower. Once it's peaked, those flowers uh, are going to go to seed. They're going to get pollinated. Hopefully they, 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 they attract pollinators. That triggers the plant to be like, okay, you can die now. Like you've, you've done your job. You have, you have created a seed in order to propagate the species. Now you can die. And people go, oh, well, they, they look terrible. My plants are dying and whatnot. Deadhead them. Keep them clean. Just keep mm-hmm. up on it. The moment the flowers start turning, because I've done that before, and Jenny's like, oh, my God. She'll come out, and it looks like there is no flowers on our planters. Yeah. Because I'm like, eh, I'm not sure about that one. You know what, Ed? You're gone. And I'll pop all the heads off all of the geraniums. I clean everything up. But within two or three days, they're all putting it out because I, I have a uh, strict fertilizer regime. Mm-hmm. And I make sure that they're getting what they need uh, in order to bloom. Uh, I deadhead them. I make sure they're watered um, to the point where like I'll, I'll water them in the morning. Uh, Jenny will water them at lunch and I'll water them at night. Oh, wow. Yeah. If, if they need it, because they're not, your flowers in a, in a bed, uh, have a better chance. The roots are more insulated. Uh, they're in the ground. Uh, the ground can hold the moisture better. The roots can go deep in a planter. They are 100% at the mercy of what you give them. Wow. And when they're rapidly growing at the beginning, they're pulling all of the goodness out of that soil. Mm-hmm. You know, by July, uh, whatever nutrients were in the soil is depleted. Um, there's no chance you're going to get anything new. Those roots can't go deeper to find it. There's no water. And to tie into what we were talking about uh, last week, by July, some people are feeling garden burnout. That's true, too. Yeah. So they're like, eh, I'll water it tomorrow. Yeah. And the plants are suffering. So now, and a lot of times, too, you don't water a planter. You, you miss a day you'll actually be like, oh, those blooms are looking amazing because the plant is now triggered. It's it's literally like, oh, I'm going to die. I need mm-hmm. to get seeds out. And you're, you're, although it might look good for that little bit, you're actually promoting its demise quicker. Mm-hmm. So keep them clean, deadhead, lots of water, lots of fertilizer. So I saw this video on social media the other day um, um, and they were maintaining a hanging basket of petunias. Mm-hmm. And this was a pretty big hanging basket. And and they weren't just taking off like flowers and deadheading them. They were like chopping off huge sections. It was almost like, um, like it was like they were pruning like a bonsai yep. or something like that. Is that, what, what is that? It, it, so it is a form of deadheading. It's cutting back. Okay. And you can absolutely do it, but not with every annual. Oh. Okay. Not with every annual. It's, uh, you, you have to know which ones you're, you're doing it to. So there are certain ones Verbena, uh, I'll do it, uh, petunias, pansies, uh, but you do that to New Guinea impatiens, uh, you do that to dahlias, they may come back, they're going to try and come back, the problem is you've taken so much off, it yeah. doesn't have the energy, sunflower, you just killed it, because sunflower is just one main stem, Oh yeah. so you really, really have to be careful, if in doubt, all you need to do is remove the seed pod. And ones like petunias too, the seed pods are often very small. Petunias and um, impatients um, and whatnot, what you can do, and please, 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 if you're going to do this method, be very, very careful because I have seen it. I've explained it to people and then I've watched them do it and being like, oh, I uh, either I didn't make myself clear or... 
but you can take your leaf blower yeah. and just gently pass a leaf blower over it. And really? Blow, yeah, blow all of the dead flowers off and clean it out that way, and they'll just they'll come off gently. However, they can be a gentle plant. Oh. Hit it too hard, and you're like, oh, well, there go all my plants. <laughs> like, you can literally... Uh, <laughs> so I don't know that I recommend that method for uh, for rookies. I've done it uh, when, I, when I did... Um, uh, landscaping for uh, the city of St. John back east. Um, we would do uh, beds where it was just a, a mass of pansies or impatience or whatever it might be. And that's, I would I would literally crank the blower and walk through and the guys were like, oh my God, you just saved us so much time. And I'm like, yeah, that's just very gentle guys. Very, and then you'd see them do it and they're like, there are certain guys, and I get it, I get it. I've used the blower a lot, so I'm good with it, but they put a blower on and it's just full throttle all the time. And I get it, it's fun. Except you're like, well, now we have no plants left in the bed. <laughs> so uh, be gentle, but spray them down with water can also work. There's also some that really don't need deadheading. There's a lot of the pansies, petunias, begonias. Yeah. They're pretty good at just doing their own blooms. So really just keeping up water and fertilizer. Cutting back, I only recommend doing it if you know what you're doing, because I've seen people try it before and... They lose it. You may as well have just let it die because yeah. by the time it's able to come back, you're now into the end of the season. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. So if you had to choose between weeding and deadheading, which one do you prefer more? Deadheading. Me too. I love deadheading. Sometimes I'll even go down in the greenhouse and just do it. Yeah. Like I love it. Especially uh, the certain ones that I love. I, okay. So this isn't really planter related. Uh, I love Love deadheading daylilies. Why? Because you just pop them off. It's a pop, 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 pop. It's like picking peas. They're, they're, they're normally quite tall, so you're not bent over. And you just reach behind the flower and pop, and it pops off perfectly. And it's just... Oh, this is actually a good segue because I had a question. Can you put perennials in planters? That Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, yes, you can. Yeah. No, I don't recommend. The perennial is going to do fine in the spring, summer, and autumn. It's yeah. not going to overwinter. Yeah. It gets too cold here. So again, if if you're uh, listening from somewhere like, say, Australia, uh, welcome. And also, I'll be polite, I'm very envious. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Australia, <laughs> for sure, because they're not going to get the cold that we get. Mm -hmm. So when, the, when a perennial is in the ground, every part of it dies in the fall, except for the roots. The rootstock does not die. Mm -hmm. And those roots are insulated. They're in the ground. Uh, the, the, they can't get, uh, uh, the, the, the root tips can't get hit by the frost. But when they're in a planter, that whole thing turns into a block of ice. Mm. And once those root tips get burned, even, even in areas with amazing snow coverage, like on the East Coast, I have never seen a perennial do, do well. I, I've seen them come back the second year, maybe the third year, but every year they come back weaker. Wow. Yeah. Perennials are, are designed to be in the ground. Again, if you're uh, tropical or subtropical, all the rules change, but maybe BC, maybe BC can do it because again, they don't get normally, uh, they don't get that minus 40, that minus 30. Yeah. So I'm sure the, I'm sure in BC, there are people who are growing perennials. We're also envious. <laughs> Can you cheat the system though? Like, like say for example, I want, I grew this beautiful planter and I know it's going to die in the winter. So I think I'm being really smart and I bring it inside over the winter. Can you overwinter them and then just bring them out next year? You can, but they need to go, they need to be dormant. A lot of them need that cold dormancy. So 
then people go, oh, well, I'll put it in cold storage. Well, how cold is too cold? Yeah. You know, um, then your perennial is in a planter. So let's say it works. What do you do on year four when it's too big for the planter? Oh, true. So it's, it's not a great idea. Can it be done? Yes. I know people that have got large raised beds. Yeah. They've put in that uh, styrofoam sheeting. They've insulated around it uh, and they put clusters of perennials in the very middle. That can work. Whoa. Yeah. Your, your hardier perennials that can work. But for me, it's, it's a lot of effort to go into for, for the perennial, invest the money in your annuals. And I guess like the same with annuals too. Like if you brought them inside over the winter time and you just kept them in your planters, like would they, would they still live for annuals? Yeah, they, they absolutely can. I mean, yeah. It's a lot of work uh, though. New Guinea impatiens are perennials in New Guinea. Yeah. Right. So yeah, you probably could. Again, it's, it's going to want to have some kind of dormancy. Obviously it's not going to go cold dormant. I don't mind putting some of my house plants out in the summer and bringing them in. But before I bring them in, I do a full treatment for any bugs, for any disease, because I don't want to bring that into my other house plants and bringing them in. Can it be done? Yes. I know some people who bring their tomatoes in at the end of the year because they're like, no, it's still producing mm-hmm. and they want to keep it going. Absolutely. It can be. It can be done, but it is a lot of effort. And a lot of times the the results you're getting off it aren't worth it, especially when you've got a plant that is used to being outside. It's used to that full sun. And then you bring it in. You might not have a grow light. Mm-hmm. You might, And now it starts struggling and, and it's not looking great. I find annuals are what you want to put in your planters mm-hmm. for the best results year after year. And with that being said, if you want to try, because... Other people as well, they'll say, oh, well, I do it. And then in the fall, I'll dig it out and I'll put it in a bed and then I'll dig it out and I'll put it back in the pot. Okay, that's that's doable, of course. Um, but then every every single spring and every single autumn, you're putting this plant into transplant shock. Every single year, you're uprooting it. It's never going to get to its potential. Again, if that's what you want, go for it. Mm-hmm. Go for it. I, I you know... I know in Montreal, there was a client we had and she loved the standard roses. So those are, we have standard lilacs. It's like the big tall stem with the perfect rose bush on the top. They're about four. They don't, they don't live in Montreal. It gets too cold for them. So every single year we had to dig them up. We had to dig trenches. We had to lie them down. We had to cover them in soil and mulch, uh, insulate them and then dig them back up in the spring, try and clean them off and get them going. And a, a lot of times tips had been burnt. We had a, pr- and it was just like, mm-hmm. it's not suitable for the climate. Let's find something else. Yeah. That's what I would say. I, I am not opposed to trying it. And if, if you want it and you love it, absolutely go for it. It's, you know, this isn't where the helpful garden is. We're not the dictator garden is where I'm like, you cannot do it. Yes, you can. I will tell you how to do it. Uh, I just don't recommend. Yeah. And and the great thing with annual planters is you can do different themes. You can do different colors. Um, you know, the there's ones I make where I'm very color oriented. Uh, a couple of years ago on the webinar, I did one and it was really popular. And I, I just picked it in uh, whimsy and it was... Um, uh, yellow and purple theme. I remember that. That was yep. gorgeous. What did you well, have in that planter? So I had the rose. I had a tea, tea rose, rose in the middle. 
I had, I believe, pansies and magnolias as the the filler around it. And then the spiller was a mixture of purple verbena and creeping jenny. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it, it looked, I, I don't remember who we give that. Did we give that one away? Was that a giveaway? You think it was actually. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember, but I remember looking that morning and going, mm, what am I going to build? And it, I, it actually started when I walked by the roads. And I was like, oh, that's gorgeous. And I was like, oh, okay, this is what I'm doing. And I started building it as I went. And yeah, I find that that's one thing is um, I know a lot of people kind of get wrapped up in Pinterest and yeah. Pinterest yeah. is great, but it's what if you can't find a specific like shopping list item when you're in yep. the greenhouse? Because you and I both know that the, the, the plant situation downstairs is very fluid. I mean, you mm -hmm. can't have every plant at all times. I yep. like the sentiment of coming in and just letting yourself be inspired. Come in with an idea. Yes. Don't come in with something rigid because exactly what you said, it can be fluid for any number of reasons as well. No red flags this year at all, but uh, other times I've seen it happen. And not just at Golden Acre, uh, in, in my years of doing landscaping where a uh, supplier has been uh, wiped out. They, they got a bug or a disease and it's really nailed the crop. So that's not available or something started trending. Some, 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 you know, uh, celebrity, probably Ben Spiller <laughs> did a planter and he was like, oh, I love my hashtag, uh, dahlias. And everybody was like, oh, I need those. And everybody comes and buys them. Yeah. And it's happened to me before where I work here and I'm like, oh yeah, look at the dahlias I'm going to get. And I, go down two days later, I'm like, uh, where are the dahlias? And they're like, oh, we, we don't have any. It happens that fast. Yep. It, all it takes is uh, something to go wrong, something to trend, people to just, just come in for whatever reason. The weather is nice or it's Mother's Day. And they're like, oh, I want to do this for, for mom. Because I, I, I love doing, uh, I love doing uh, the Mother's Day webinar uh, because it's one, of the, it's one of the few webinars where I actually get my hands dirty. Yeah. You know, something else we should talk about, because I try and change that up every year, but what about the material of your planter? Do you want it to be wood, plastic, uh, ceramic, fiberglass? Do you want it to be colorful? You know, I, I, I was walking down, I'm, I, I think I've said where I live before, whatever. Uh, I'm like, I'm not going to say where I live because I don't want to call out one of my neighbors, but I live in Cambrian Heights. Uh <laughs> That's okay. Cambrian Heights is a big community. Yeah, yeah. You're safe. <laughs> but the other night I was walking Jimmy and I happened to go like off track, just a, a different way. And one of my neighbors has the big big hanging baskets that we have downstairs, the big bright red ones. So we've got red, yellow, purple, <laughs> green, orange, like literally the full spectrum. Uh, and they have them in their backyard. Oh, you're like, hashtag represent. Yeah. And I walked by and I was like, I know where they got those. <laughs> and I, it just made me smile because I recognized them. And they are like fire truck red. Oh yeah. They're really bright. But I know some people who don't like that yeah. because they think it takes away from the flowers in it. Mm -hmm. Other people are like, Oh, it was a long winter. The more, the, the, give me the color. More color the merrier. I don't give a, like, I want a yellow and I want a purple and I want a green. Yeah. And that is awesome too. You know what looked really good in those ones is um, like yellow petunias or yeah. like yellow and white to go with the red. Ooh. Yeah, yeah see, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Design around that if you want. Yeah. Oh, you know what I love too? I love going on evening walks and seeing what other people put in their planters, like those little um, garden stakes. Yep. You can, you can totally decorate your planter Absolutely. with little, like little... Yeah. little ornament. So here's another thought too. So if you get one uh, very popular 
medium, uh, especially on the on the East Coast and in BC, you see it a lot. Terracotta. Yeah. Okay, people love terracotta. I get it. I, I understand why. Problem is, terracotta can be quite fragile, mm. uh, especially when it gets cold. Uh, terracotta uh, is porous, so it pulls moisture out. Yeah. Then you get a frost, and it expands, and it can actually cause cracks in it. Oh. So uh, terracotta is always best, you know, uh, get it away before it gets frosty. Yeah. Which means you can you can kind of lose your season, if, especially if you want to do something in the fall. Uh, you see people do uh, planters with chrysanthemums and pumpkins and gourd. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of people will use the heavy-duty plastic ones. Uh, for that. And one thing that Jenny loves doing is we have our planters. Uh, they go all summer. They look great. Uh, come the come the autumn. If everything's finished, I'll dump the whole thing. But if only a few things are finished, I'll dig them out. I'll put in chrysanthemums. Yeah. Whatever color. It might be purples. It might be reds, yellows. Doesn't make any difference. We keep that color going. Then when they're finished, we get rid of them. And then uh, whenever in, in December, end of November, when we get our greens, Jenny comes and buys the greens and she does Christmas planters. Oh, you can have planters all year round. Exactly. And then and then after Christmas, middle of January, take out all of the Christmas stuff and then you've just got a winter structure. Yeah. And it actually works. Um, we, we did this one year. Uh, some people, and I saw it done last year really, really well. Somebody bought two small Christmas trees. Yeah. Put them in a planter and um, put uh, bird feeders on them. Aww. So they had a combination winter planter, winter bird feeder. So cute. Yeah. And the birds loved it. The trees freeze solid, so the, they, they live all winter. Come the spring, they look terrible because it's it's cut down. It's a cut tree. Yeah. Throw them in the compost. Then you've got your planter, yeah. put in some fresh soil and put your flowers in. Oh, I love that. You know what I do in the autumn too, kind of repurposing after the annuals are, are dying off? Um, I take out all the annuals. And then um, I cut the Carl Forrester grass in my grandparents' yard and then use that and just display it in the planter. Yep. I love it. Repurpose it, seasonal, all exactly. year round. Love it. And it looks, it, that is a great uh, autumn feature. Oh my God. And it's honestly, yeah. okay, I know it's not alive still, but but it looks alive. Yep. Like that stuff preserves so well. It's no different than a cut flower. Yeah. You put a cut flower in a vase, it's like an outside vase. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. Yep. Really adds to yep. it. So. There's so many different ways you can go with planters. You know, uh, tomatoes go great in planters. Strawberries go great in hanging baskets. Would you put a tomato in a hanging basket? Yeah, I see the upside down ones and stuff. I've not my flavor. People want to do it. Go for it. What about um, those planters that you see with uh, tomatoes and potatoes together? Yeah, I've seen those. I've never, I've never done it. I wouldn't understand how you would get the potatoes though without damaging the tomatoes. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, again, I think it's more like, oh, isn't this cool? And you're like, yeah, but is it practical? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, <laughs> ones I like, and I came up with this. Again, I just, I tried it. Had no idea if it would work, but I was like, meh, I, I'm going to learn something. I had a very big planter. Uh, I put a tomato in the middle, and then around the edge, I put three cucumbers. So instead of the cucumbers climbing something they trailed over yeah so they were my spiller and they did amazing both plants did good yep both plants because uh they're not going to compete with each other one is spilling over one's growing tall they require the exact same fertilizer and both of them require a ton of water oh yeah so i'm not trying i'm not like oh my god i'm overwatering this oh i'm underwatering this yep. flooded both they both require a ton of water yeah and it worked so well how do you know what requires a ton of water and what doesn't 
Honestly, the, the plant will tell you. Uh, it's, okay. it's based on the plant. Anything that is a very high production. Um, so when you bite into a tomato, uh, you want your tomato to be very juicy. Yes. Okay. That comes from the amount of water. Oh, does so that makes it, sense? Yeah. yeah. Cucumbers are. Uh, I'm kind of making this up. I think I've read it somewhere before. Like ninety six percent water. <laughs> so it obviously requires a lot of water to yeah. get there. So when you're doing that in a pot, again, they don't have access to that water. So you have, I was literally that, that year that I did it. Well, I've done it in subsequent years, but that first year that I did it, I'd leave the house in the morning and the hose was there and I would fill the pot to the brim with water. So like two inches of water, then I would get home from work and fill it again. Yeah. And every day that's how much water it got. And they did amazing. You know what Brad told me once? He said it takes more calories to eat celery than the amount that you get from it. I've heard that. I've heard, and I, I do not like celery. No, no, I don't. I don't so like You've never food. grown it. Never. I don't like, there's certain foods I don't particularly enjoy, but I'll eat them. Mm-hmm. Celery, if it's in a soup, mm-hmm. I can pinpoint mm-hmm. exactly where it was on my spoon. What? Yeah. I, the taste just. Not into it. Yeah. It's like cilantro. Yeah. Not a, not as I'm in the camp that cilantro is not good, but. Oh. If you have if you have a balcony, my sister was asking me this. Yeah, her balcony faces north, uh, and she was like, "I really want to do veggies." And I was like, "Okay, great, let's do your veggies." Yeah, you know, can you grow everything? No, you can't. Yeah, but can you grow a lot? Yes, you can. So we're going to do uh, veggies for her. My mom wants flowers. We're going to do flowers. Mix and match. Have we did a, a lettuce bowl one time? I think we put two or maybe three different types of lettuce. When we were ready to harvest, we just cut it off at soil level. Mm-hmm. And then the next time we harvested the other one, by the time we'd made it all the way around the bowl, the mm-hmm. first one had already grown back up. Wow. So we recut that one. Yeah. So there are so many ways to to keep it going uh, and play with it. And but here's a good one that I uh, that I heard and I did two years ago and it works amazing. So again, you're going to need a flower garden for this. I, I suppose you could do it in pots, but uh, it's going to be a little bit trickier. Plant your sunflowers. Yeah. In front of your sunflowers, plant your bees or peens. Uh, pe- what did you just say? <laughs> what? Peas and beans, oh. except I said bees and peens. <laughs> <laughs> Mind your peas and cues. Plant your sunflowers. Yeah. And then in front of them, uh, plant peas or beans. Yeah. And what happens is as they grow, they use the sunflower as a natural trellis. So smart. Yeah. yeah. And they actually grow up and they wrap around, but they're not going so tight. The sunflowers are so heavy duty. The stalks are so big, they can handle it and they support them and you get both of them going. That's cool. So then you're not, oh, well, I need to put a trellis in. Where can I put the trellis? I want to do this here, but my sunflower, combine the two, mix it up, play with it. Um, I did cucumbers in a window basket a couple of years ago to see if it would work. It worked amazing. They started getting too big. I got a small trellis. I put it in the back. I had cucumbers climbing up the back and the rest was spilling over the front. Yeah. And also bring the kids into it, right? It's a fun family activity. Let the kids choose. Yeah. Give them some guidance. You know, if you have a shade area and the kids are like, I really want to grow sunflowers, be like, sorry, guys, we can't. We need to pick something different. Yeah. But if they like the sunflower, suggest them something yellow. Pick the other thing, but... If, if I'm doing a planter for, for myself or for Jenny or for my mom, I'm going to have a plan. I'm going to have a color scheme or a design. If I'm bringing a kid in and that kid's like, I want to mix red and pink and yellow and blue, I'm like, fantastic. Yeah. 
everything is going to look amazing. That's what we're doing. And you know what? It will look amazing. It will. And not only for Mother's Day, but maybe Father's Day too. I like flowers. Yeah. Keep this podcast handy for June. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 on that note, uh, something that uh, we didn't mention, I want to say a uh, big, huge, happy Mother's Day to my mom, to your mom. Happy Mother's Day, mom. To uh, my wife. Yeah. And to all the moms who listen. All of our friends, a well-deserved day. The the sun is going to be shining. Enjoy your flowers, enjoy your planting, and enjoy the weather. This week's question comes from our email from listener Sarah. Uh, just the loveliest email. Um, they say, just reaching out as I'm new to gardening and discovered your podcast when I visited the website. I'm grateful for your podcast and I'm hoping you can help me out with a few questions. Uh, so the first question are, what are the numbers on the fertilizer and how do you know what fertilizer to use? There's so many in the store that I'm never sure what to buy. So I've bought a few not knowing what I need. Great question. Um, yeah, I I love it. We do have to get around to doing an episode on fertilizer. Um, but to answer your question, Sarah, the numbers are uh, very simply NPK. Um, that's uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. They are the three macronutrients that every plant uh, needs. If you look at the back, you'll see... Uh, It'll have magnesium on there. Uh, calcium will probably be on there, but they are such trace amounts. Uh, it's it's not that important. Every fertilizer, houseplant fertilizer, lawn fertilizer, uh, tomato fertilizer, they all have those three numbers on the front. Don't get hung up on the numbers. Uh, that's the first thing I want to tell people. Um, you look and you look at three different all purposes and they all have different numbers. Uh, they're formulated differently. So some will be uh, to be used every week. Some will be every two weeks. Some might be once a month. Some are time release that are a shaken feed. Uh, you might put it down twice a year. There's fertilizer stakes that when you plant your tomato, you put the stake in and that's it. You're done fertilizing for the season. Find the fertilizer that works best for you. So uh, if you're doing tomatoes, look for the one that has a tomato on it. Then go, well, I have a lot of time. I want to baby these tomatoes. Water-soluble is my decision. Or organic water-soluble is my decision. And go with that. Don't get hung up on the numbers. Uh, you have a very busy life. You're like, I know I'm going to forget to fertilize. It's not what I do. Grab a shake and feed and put that down. It's more important to fertilize your plants than to get hung up on the numbers. These companies... Uh, have spent a ton of money developing it. They are all good. Some might be better than others. I like water-soluble. Um, that's a personal choice. I think it works better. I see better results with it. However, if I am slammed busy and I can't get to it, I will absolutely put down a shaken feed. Uh, so look at the, the type of fertilizer. Is it for tomato? Is it for flowers? Is it for trees? And then look at uh, the medium. Is it water-soluble? Uh, is it a steak? Is it a shake and feed? And go with the one that suits your lifestyle. Don't get hung up on the numbers. And Sarah had another question too about uh, elevated planters. So very pertinent to this episode. Uh, I have elevated planters that are made of brick. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. I like it. When it comes time to get the soil ready after winter, what should I be using? I appreciate all the help I can get. Thank you. So if they're made of brick, I'm going to guess that they are uh, permanent. Uh, they're not one that's going to be easily moved. I'm, I'm curious to the height and the size of them, but I'm going to imagine that they're uh, elevated, but they're not uh, four foot off the ground like a veggie pod. 
forfeit. That veggie pods aren't forfeit off the ground. That was slight. I, I've still got that urn in my head. <laughs> so I'm going to guess that they, they, they're elevated, but they're still connected to the ground, in which case you can put in basically whatever you want. Uh, now, if there is any kind of uh, sealed bottom, uh, maybe maybe the, the, the bottom of them is also made of brick or it's on a, a concrete pad. If that is the case, uh, you want to be careful what you put in. So if your planter is elevated, but it is sitting on earth, on ground, on soil, uh, go ahead, put in uh, sea soil, uh, compost, manure, um, peat moss, coconut coir, whatever. Whatever you want to amend with. We, we did a webinar on amendment, so we have a resource there uh, that you can use. Um, it's not going to matter. If drainage is a issue, so uh, uh, the base is made of brick or it's on a concrete pad or something like that, only go with your lighter mixes, so your peat moss, your coconut coir, um, volcanic mineral, uh, worm castings. Uh, they don't hold as much moisture as um, as your composts and your manures, uh, and drainage is going to be an issue. So depending on uh, what they're sitting on is what you want to go with, based on how you've described them and what I've seen on that kind of thing. I'm guessing you're on the earth, in which case, uh, you know, really get that get that soil up and get it nice and fresh, and uh, and you'll do great. Thank you so much, Sarah, for your question and for listening to the Helpful Gardeners podcast. We really do appreciate it. And if there's something that you've been wanting to learn more about, reach out to us like Sarah did by email social at goldenacre.ca with a subject line, something to do with podcasts and I'll see it. Uh, you can also interact with our weekly questions and polls over on Instagram at goldenacre garden. And we also have a speak pipe app where you can send us a voice note anonymously if you'd like over on our website, goldenacre.ca slash podcast. We can listen to it, feature you on the show and answer any questions, ideas or comments that you may have. Next week, Colin, I, I'm going to add a drum, hole, drum roll because this this is the weekend that all of us gardeners have been have been looking forward to, right? Yeah, it's, it's the red leather day. It is. Yep. May long weekend gardening. So yep. we're going to talk about all of it. You know, everything, everything, absolutely it's everything. Jam packed episode. Are we going to be able to fit that in 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 forty five fifty minutes? <laughs> One hour later. <laughs> <laughs> One hour later, and all we've talked about is like how to plant your annuals. Yeah, exactly. What have we been saying since beginning of April? Wait till the May long weekend. Keep an eye on the weather, and now it's here. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. Yep. So catch that episode next Sunday at 8 a.m. Mountain Time on your favorite podcasting platform. Always reach out to us. We're, we're, we're ready for your questions, your comments, your ideas. And until next time. Bye, everyone.